Right. Well, I promise Kyle is not as creepy as we made him out to be. So uh, it was just some fun videos. So, so glad you guys are here with us today in person or online. And so uh, today, as we wrap up the Spook series, we are going to talk about something that's not necessarily spooky, uh, but something that is very mysterious, something that's misunderstood. And I will admit, when I was a child growing up in church, and they told me about this thing we're going to talk about today, it was a little confusing to me as a child, and so today we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, uh, or the Holy Ghost, or whatever else you may refer to it is. And it is one of the most confusing and misunderstood pieces of the Christian faith, one that's been abused, misused, and misunderstood. Now, growing up in church, uh, and we don't talk about this very often, but there are gangs in the church world, all right? And, and so there are gangs. There is the Spirit Gang, all right? And you guys know, maybe you grew up in one of those churches where everything is about the Spirit. And, and they let you know everything is about the Spirit, and they even referred to things as like Spirit-filled or Holy Ghost Church. And for them, almost everything becomes about the Spirit. Then you have another side, another gang in the church world, um, and this is, you know, the Baptists. I'm just kidding. All right. And so these are the people, if you grew up in that tradition, you don't talk about the Spirit at all, right? It's one of these things that you don't talk about very often. It's not mentioned a lot. If it is mentioned, it's kind of downplayed a little bit. And the rest of us kind of fall in the middle, but honestly seem to lean to one side or the other. And the reality is, and let's just be honest, let's call it what it is, um, each side thinks the other side's a little weird, right? And so we think that some people go too far this way, some people don't go far enough the other way, and there's a lot of confusion, there's a lot of frustration, there's all kinds of things that are misunderstood when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Now, today we do not have time to dive into all of it, but we're working on a series next year uh, where we're going to talk about the Trinity and kind of what that is, because again, that's one of those things that you hear people talk about, the Trinity. Uh, Tyler Childers just came out with the new album, and there's a song called The Triune God, and, and so we're going to talk about that. But we're not going to dive into all of it today, but I do want to start a conversation today to kind of hope some bring some clarity to the Holy Spirit, specifically how it relates to us. So to set this up, we have to look at John chapter 14, and John chapter 14 is one of the most fascinating chapters in the Bible to me. And so essentially what's happening is Jesus is about to leave, so he's about to go to the cross, he's going to die, then there's going to be some interaction with his followers after the resurrection, and then he's going to go to the Father. And so he's trying to comfort the disciples, he's also trying to give them some instructions, some final marching orders, and if you follow chapter 14, 15, and 16, I mean he pretty much lays out in John um, kind of what's going to happen, and even when it comes to the future. Now, the disciples, they get stuck on one part of this. So Jesus is kind of like pouring his heart out, and, and Thomas, in, in verse 5, he gets stuck on this idea of like, okay, you're leaving, but where are you going, okay? And, and so they kind of miss some of it because they're so uh, kind of frustrated with this, and, and so Jesus is going to talk to them, and he kind of explains things to them, and so they, they get stuck on this idea. So in John chapter 14, verse 8, Philip finally speaks up, and we've covered this verse before, but here's what he said. He said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. So if you're going to leave, just show us God, because that's what we're here for. And that's what you're here for. You want to know God. You want to see God. And so Jesus replies. He says, have I not been with you this whole time, Philip, and you still don't know who I am? Anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him? So what Jesus is doing is connecting this idea that him and the Father are one. That, that, that if you want to understand God, look at Jesus. Jesus is the best explanation of God. So he makes it really clear. And he goes on to say, 
Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does this work through me. So it's God working through Jesus. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. So he's saying, okay, even if you don't understand this concept, you've seen me do miracles, you've seen me do things that can't be explained, you've heard the authority that I speak with. So if nothing else, just believe based on the track record of what I've done, which is kind of where a lot of these people got connected to Jesus, is that they see him do these amazing things, and so they want to be connected to him. They're still not sure what to do with him, but they've seen some amazing things. So he goes on, verse 12, sorry. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me, ready, will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. So Jesus makes a statement that we're going to come back to, but kind of this unusual statement because you got to remember, Jesus at this point, he's taken a blind man and made him see. He's taken a leper and cleaned him. He's actually at this point actually raised someone from the dead. So when we think about the amazing things that can be done in this world, I mean, that's got to be pretty close to the top of the list, right? And Jesus says that anyone who believes in me, I'm leaving, but I'm going to do something. And anyone who believes in me and stays in me will do even greater things. We'll come back to that. And then he kind of jumps down to verse 16. He's going to explain kind of what this looks like. So in verse 16, he says this, and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and will later be with you. And so Jesus introduces to them this idea of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit, this is not the first introduction of the Holy Spirit, but he's clarifying what the Holy Spirit is. In fact, we see all the way in the Old Testament and even parts of the the gospel so far, we see the Holy Spirit intertwined with what God is doing in the world. So he's not creating something, he's just explaining something to them. And he's saying there's this other part of of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. And, And so the Father and me are connected. And the Spirit is just connected as we are. One of the misconceptions we have about the Holy Spirit is we almost think of him as a lesser version. But Jesus wants to make it very clear that it's not that at all. That that this is a triune, a trinity, and that the Holy Spirit is just as powerful as him and the Father. And so there's this little back and forth kind of again that goes on and we don't have time to read all the verses. But in verse 22, Judas, not Judas Iscariot, not the betrayer, but another Judas in the group, Ask a great question, maybe a question that we don't have time to fully address today, but you've asked yourself. And here's what he says, verse 22. Judas said to him, Lord, why are you not going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? Isn't that a great question? Isn't that a question you've pondered before is why doesn't Jesus just, you know, tomorrow just show up in the sky, pull it back for a second, say, I'm real, and then close the door? You know, I mean, wouldn't that answer a lot of questions? Wouldn't that help? And so there's just kind of this back and forth between him and the disciples. And and Jesus kind of explains to them, no, if you're in the Father, if you're in me, you can still do these great things, that there's a reason that things are happening this way. And then he says this in verse 26. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything that I've told you. And what has Jesus told us? Jesus has told us to love our neighbor, to take care of our neighbor, to take care of each other. 
And so what he's saying is the Spirit will come and be a part of you and living with you. And everything that I've done and everything that I've taught, the Spirit's going to remind you of. He's going to empower you in and all of these things. And so Jesus makes it very clear that the Father, Son, and the Spirit, that they work together. And that this idea of the Spirit, that he's going to live in us and be a part of us and guide us to, again, do the things, even greater things than Jesus himself has done. And then in verse six, chapter 16, they can't get past it, so it comes back up again. And here's what he says. But now I'm going to the one who sent me. So he's like making it real clear. He's like, all right, guys, you're not getting this. All right, so let's be real clear. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Now, I want to stop there and just address this for a second. Because for most of us, if we're honest, and I'm assuming they're in the same boat, we would think it's better if Jesus was still here, right? And they would have as well. But what Jesus is doing is he's wanting them to understand the power of what's going to come in and the power of what can be done, not just through him, but through everybody who's empowered by this spirit, the reach and the influence that we can have if we live by the spirit. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. And if I do go away, then I will send him to you. Now, this is kind of the beginning of the teaching where Jesus and the disciples are having this conversation. It's going to come up again, and we're going to see some amazing things that happen. And again, the Spirit of God is a lot. We see him through the Old Testament and the New Testament. We see signs of wonders of things that he's done and things that he does through people. There's a lot. In fact, in Acts chapter 2, what we're going to see, if you've ever studied that, there's this thing called Pentecost, all right? And Pentecost is where the Spirit comes down upon the disciples, and they do these amazing things, and because of this stuff that they do, the church, as we know it, will start to begin. And the church will not just start to begin, it will thrive because these men and women who live by the Spirit go on in their life, allowing the Spirit to empower them to do things, to speak things, and to reach people. Then there's this verse, which is one of the most amazing verses in the Bible when it comes to the Spirit. It says in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, Paul's writing this. And if the Spirit of him, speaking of Jesus, who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. Which is Paul's way of kind of saying, hey, the Spirit is so powerful that the Spirit that you've been given is the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. It's given to us. And so, when it comes to the Spirit, there's a lot of confusion, but, but the Bible is kind of shaping this narrative of what the Spirit is and what's available to us. The Spirit of God, who also lived in Jesus, now lives in us to be with us, to move among us. We, we see words like that he will guide us. In fact, the word advocate there that's used is the same word you use for a counselor. So he's there to guide us, to counsel us, to give us wisdom, to encourage, and to empower us. Now, that sounds great. And that's awesome. And some point in time, we'll come back and we'll revisit all of that. But here's the question that I think a lot of us deal with. That sounds amazing, but I don't feel that, right? I, I mean, I want to. 
I'd like to. I would love to have this understanding that the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is coursing through my bones. It's coursing through my veins. And it's empowering me to face obstacles and things that this world has to throw at me. Like, I want to believe that. And I want to believe and I want to be connected to God in such a way that that his wisdom guides me and he counsels me. And when I have tough decisions I have to make, that I feel his presence in those things. I want to feel that. But based on the conversations that I've had for the last 20 years, and based on some of the things that I see and observe, I would say I'm not the only one in this room or listening to this that wants that to be true and wants to feel that, but just doesn't. See, if we're honest, and if we can't be honest here, where else are we going to be honest? Some of us maybe, if we had the language, we might say that some of us maybe even feel a little bit spiritually dead. Or at least spiritually starved. Some of us, and don't elbow anybody, you would look at somebody and say, yeah, yeah, they're spiritually bankrupt, right? You ever know anybody like that? Again, don't elbow them, all right? Maybe you want to feel the Spirit of God, but you don't. And that's where I want to start this conversation before we get into the specifics of what the Spirit is, is just to acknowledge that there is this power that's been promised to us, and God always fulfills and holds His promises. And yet, here we are where many of us say, I I want to believe that, and I know it's true because it's in the Bible, and Jesus spent so much time talking about it and promising this thing, but why don't I feel that in my life? Why, Why don't I feel that in there? So I can only speak for myself, so I'll I'll just be honest with you guys. Um, I just went through a season where I had to reevaluate a lot in my life. And that's just me being honest. Why I believe what I believe, do I believe what I believe, and and I know that may not be comforting for your preacher to tell you that, but I'm just being honest. And and, and I realized that I was allowing certain influences into my life they were having too much control. Now, these weren't like bad things. These were just things that, that I was dealing with and processing and influences in, in my life. And, and to be honest with you, I went through a season where I didn't feel as connected to God as I wanted to be, okay? And I'll be honest with you. There were weeks where I'm studying scripture and I'm studying it a lot and I, I'm reading and I'm doing all this and I'm praying and all this stuff, but, but I just wasn't as connected as I wanted to be. Anybody else ever felt that way? So let's talk about that. And I'm not trying to guilt anyone about what I'm about to say, but I'm just going to be honest. So the first thing we have to know when it comes to spirituality and however you define spirituality, for me, this is spirituality is about being connected to God, to realizing that that we are spirit. We're flesh, but we're spirit. The, The other thing you have to understand is if you would have went to Jesus and said, well, my spiritual life, he would have been like, what are you talking about? Because for him, there wasn't spiritual life and physical life. It was just life, and they intertwined, and they connected. And so when it comes to being in spirit and spirituality, here's what you have to understand. Spirituality is as much about intimacy as it is about doctrine and beliefs. In fact, I would argue spirituality and being connected to God is more about intimacy than doctrine and beliefs. Let me explain what I mean by that. So let's talk about intimacy. All right, in real practical terms to kind of shape this, all right? Um, if you want to get to know somebody, so um, let's say that, that you're dating somebody, and I know most of us are married, but there's a few single of us people around here, and so let me give you a little a couple pointers, okay? 
The worst first date you can go on is where? The movies. Do you know why the worst first date you can go on is the movies? Now, some of you are like, we went on the movies on our first date. I'm not picking on you. I'm just telling you. Because you can go to the movie with somebody, and you might be entertained, but there's no chance for connection and intimacy, is there? Right? There's no intimacy there because you're watching something, but you're not experiencing something. Could it be that for some of us, doing intimacy with God is just coming to church on Sundays, where it's a little bit like going to the movies? You're entertained, but there's no opportunity for connection. Is it possible that some of us become because we want to be entertained, but we aren't chasing intimacy? Is that possible? We're coming one day a week, and it's not even a day. We say that. We're coming one day a week, and I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, so just go with me. It's not even a day. It's an hour, and it's an hour because I got a clock back there, and I got to be done at 1036, all right, or it's going to throw everything off. Like, it's, it's an hour, all right? And here's what else I know. We, we did some studies not too long ago. Most people that come to Journey only come one to two times a month. Now, I'm not picking on you. There's no gold stars in heaven for your attendance to church, but let's just be honest. So we want to feel connection with God. And for many of us, our primary source of connection is church, right? Let's just call it what it is. That you're willing to give one to two hours a month. So let's just talk about this in practical terms. You want connection with the God of the universe who created and sustains all things and yet wants to be connected relationally to you. And let's just call it what it is. It's the speck that you and I even are. And we're willing to give him an hour a week, maybe. As long as I don't have other plans. And as long as the weather isn't too nice or too bad. And I'm willing to do that as long as my team didn't play too late last night. (laughs) Or if I don't feel miserable because they got blown out on national television. And I'm willing to come and give that hour if I didn't drink too much last night, or if my week wasn't too stressful, or if I don't feel like brunch, because I love brunch, and most places only do brunch on Sundays, or if I just don't feel like it. Now, I'm willing to be connected to God as long as all of those circumstances line in the favor. I'll give him what I can. And then we wonder why we feel spiritually starved. Because the reality is, and you know this, you can't eat one meal a week and feel full for the rest of it, can you? It doesn't happen. Or how about this? Some of us, we want to be spiritually strong and in shape. And I know this is generic terms, but we want to be spiritually strong. We want to be able to stand up to the things that life shows us. And we believe our faith and our spirituality and our connectedness to God is a part of that. And so we want to be ready for that. So, so let me ask you this. Um, I've been trying for a long time. Um, but can you get abs going to the gym one day a week? The answer is no. All right. You can't. I can't get them going six days a week. (laughs) But here's the other part of this, right? Maybe it's not just about the frequency 
Okay, so, so maybe you're going, okay, I know I can't get abs one day a week. I can't be strong going to the gym one day a week. Um, but, but, but what if I go six days a week, okay? And then you run to this point where if you're like me, you go to the gym. All, I mean, I run all the time. I go to the gym all the time. And I'm not as physically in shape as I'd like to be. And it's not because of the frequency, but because it's what else I allow to have influence in my life. I love pizza a lot. And I love buffalo wings a lot. And so I might be willing to put in the work of going to the gym every day, but I'm also allowing these other things into my life that are working against the efforts that I'm putting forth. And it's not any different when it comes to your spiritual walk either. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians chapter 5. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. So here's what he's saying, and maybe you've never studied it like this. So he's saying we want this spirit, but the reality is we also have these things that we're putting into our life that work against the spirit. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature is. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. What have we said about intentions before? It's direction, not intention, that determines your destination. You can intend all you want to go here. But if you're living a life that's going in a direction this way, you're never going to get where you intended to go. Intentions are great. I intended to be nice, but I was a jerk, right? I intended to have a good marriage, but I did all of this and it led to this place. Intentions are nice. So Paul says, look, there's this war within our spirit. And maybe for some of us, that's the reason we're not as connected as we want to be. And then just to make it really clear, Paul gives us the list of the things that work against the spirit. Now, before I show you this list, I need to make a disclaimer. If you don't like this list, you need to email Paul. Good luck with that. Okay, this is not me, this is him. And here's what he says. The wrong things the sinful self that works against the spirit are clear. Being sexually unfaithful, not being pure, and taking part in sexual sins. Now, here's what I want to say before we move on to the next list. For some of us, we're like, wake up, man, it's 2022. And there are a bunch of teenagers in the room back there that would say, wake up, it's 2022. Because for some of us, this idea of God's ethic for sex, it's, it's like old, it's past, it's not a big deal. So I always tell people that they want to respond like that, I just want to ask you one simple question. Does sex outside the bounds of which God has intended, does it make your life better or does it make your life more complicated? And it's always more complicated. So, so this, this idea of doing these things, it works against the spirituality and the connection to God that you want. Or, or it says worshiping gods. And so we see that and we're like, well, we don't like worship gods. Like we don't believe in Zeus and Thor and all of these things. Like we don't believe in these things. But, but here's the thing. We still worship other gods. We just call them different names. Like success, right? And so we still worship other gods and other idols. We just call them different names than what they used to call them. Or how about this one? Doing witchcraft. I don't know if does that, but there it is, all right? But here's the real practical ones. Hating. We talked about enemies a couple weeks ago. Do you hate anybody? 
making trouble, being jealous, being angry, being selfish. How about this one? Making people angry with each other, right? Causing divisions among people, feeling envy, being drunk, having wild and wasteful parties, and doing other things like these. What a list. And just so you know, this list is an equal opportunity offender, right? Anybody not covered by something there? So we have these things in our life that work against the Spirit of God in our life. So that's the first thing, is that for some of us, we make it about one hour a week, and and we feel like we can feed real quick, and that's going to last the rest of the week. And we know you can't eat one meal a week and be full. The other thing is we might be doing the work day in and day out, but the reality is if you allow these other influences to come in your life, they counteract what you say you're trying to do. But then it comes to the big one. See, for a lot of us, when it comes to our our faith in God and our spiritual life, um, we think if we just believe the right things, then we're okay. Some of us, man, we're like, it's all about the doctrine. It's all about theology. Okay, but again, if spirituality is more about intimacy than those other things, which I will argue all day, let me ask you this. Think about your marriage. Does it help just to know you are married? How about this one, guys? What if we did this, okay? You know, honey, I know we don't talk, kiss, hug, go on dates, but I believe I'm married. How far is that going to get you? So Paul says in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16, he says, So I say, walk by the Spirit. You can't walk by something if you're not close to it. And the other thing I want to say is that for some of us, because I don't want anybody to feel guilty by this, I understand that you're in a season of wrestling with God. Wrestling with God and your faith is okay because you can't wrestle something far away. Wrestling is about intimacy. And so if you are connected to God and wrestling through stuff, that's okay. And I know for guys in here, the word intimacy, I've said it six times, you're like, please stop saying that word, okay? <laughs> but this is what this is about. It's, it's about connection. He goes on to say in verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, so he's saying, so he's assuming that people are wanting to live by the Spirit, Let us keep in step with the Spirit. So here's the question. Are you keeping in step with the Spirit? Now, one more thing. Paul is going to give us a list we're going to cover here in just a second of what it looks like, and this is a famous list, we've used it before, of what it looks like for God's Spirit in your life. And we're just going to throw it out there and let it convict you because that's another thing the Spirit does. But before we do that, here's one thing I do want to clear up that we'll talk about later. When we talk about the Spirit of God, there's this section we're going to cover at some point about the gifts of God. And the idea that God has gifted us with these certain things. And we'll talk about that. But but for many of us, here's where we go to. And this is where a lot of churches think get it wrong. When they think about the Spirit of God and intimacy with the Spirit of God and being connected to the Spirit of God, all we start doing is thinking about signs and wonders, right? We want miracles, but here's the thing you have to understand, even at the beginning of the church, and you, I, I, I can prove this to you, miracles and signs and wonders always took place so that people would believe, not for the people that already do. 
So I'm not saying you won't experience miracles and signs and wonders that God is not capable of those things. But again, let me remind you that when you see these things in the Bible, these are not the norm. That's why they're in the Bible. Because it happened and somebody said, we need to tell people about this so that they may start to believe. So, not saying it's not going to happen. But just know that that was not the norm. And most of the times we see miracles taking place, it happens so that people will start to believe. Instead, Paul is going to give us a list of, peop- of things that he says, listen, if you're connected, which most of us in this room, I'm assuming, have accepted Jesus into our life. We want to live by the Spirit. We, we want to do this. We've accepted him, and part of accepting Jesus and being baptized is we get the Spirit, and we want to be connected to the Spirit. That's where this whole conversation started. So Jesus says, or Paul says, here is how you know if the Spirit is in your life. He says, verse 22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in your life, all right? Love. How many of us in this room that would say our life is defined by love? Joy, peace, patience, right? Are you a patient person or are you like me and you're very impatient? Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Paul, Paul says, and see, here's the thing. We, we want the signs and the miracles and all the wonders. We want to be able to do all this miraculous stuff. And, and Paul says, no, no, listen, if you want to know if the Spirit's actually taking place in your life, it's these things, these simple, practical things. Do any of these things define your life And more importantly, do they define your spirit? The Bible is clear. Now, how do we start? So so here's the problem. The problem is we don't feel connected. The problem is we understand that we maybe need to give more of our time to chasing intimacy with God. The problem is maybe there's some influences in our life we need to push out. The the, the problem is we've made it all about just what we believe, not the application of what we believe. And and so we understand all that. So where do we start? So the first thing I would say that if you want to pursue the Spirit of God, um, you need to do it daily. And I'm not saying you have to spend all day. I'm not saying you have to quit your job. I'm not saying you just get up at 4 a.m. in the morning and spend an hour in Bible study. You have to do what works for you. But you need to do it regularly. So let me just guilt some people real quick, and I'll just make my point and move on so you don't throw things at me. Um, If today is the last time you even looked at a Bible, prayed, or thought about God since last Sunday... If you even came last Sunday, there's where you maybe need to start. How about this one? When was the last time something in your life was pressing in your life and your response was, I wonder what God would want me to do? Maybe start there. Or has it really become a once a week, let me eat as much as I can. I like the songs. Jeremy's not half bad. Let's eat as much as we can so I can feel full. The reality is most of us in this room, and I'm not stupid, most of the things that I just said will be gone in 30 minutes. But the intimacy with God doesn't have to be. One last thing, because I don't want to leave on a sour note. 
What's so amazing to me about this, and if we can get connected, is what Jesus himself said. Jesus said that the people that are in me, that if they stay in me, stay connected to me, allow the spirit to move inside of them, to connect to them, and to empower them. Jesus said that we will do greater things than even he did. Which is interesting because it's like this idea, we spend so much time trying to understand the fact of believing in Jesus, but we never talk about the fact that Jesus believed in us, that he believed we could do this. He believed that empowered by the Holy Spirit, that we could do even greater things. Jesus believed that you could change things and that I could change things and that the church was this force in the world that could change things. He believed we could help things. He believed we could make a difference. We try to give people opportunities all the time to, to make a difference. And we're doing this thing this week called Love Bullet Week. And it's just this like simple little thing. Uh, we were going to start tonight, but the rain's not cooperating. So Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, there's opportunities just for you to give a little bit of your time. To go love on your neighbors, love on your schools. Um, there's sign-up sheets out there. We're doing projects at, at the schools um, in, in our area all this week. All you got to do is go sign up and give a little bit of your time. But I don't want the idea of us changing our community to be about that you have to wait for us to put something together to sign up to go do it. Jesus believed that you could change the world. Jesus believed that you could be connected to the Spirit and empowered by the same Spirit that rose him from the dead. So this is about us daily. So Love Bullet Week, you can't make one of our things? Great, go love your neighbor this week. Maybe you don't have to leave your house. Go love your wife this week. Go love your children this week. But allow the Spirit to encourage you, to shape you, and to move you. Jesus believed that we could change the world through him. And through his spirit. And here's the question we all have to ponder. Do you believe that? And if you believe that, maybe it's worth giving a little bit more of yourself. Seeking the spirit. Inviting the spirit more to speak into your life. Because there's a world out there. And there's a community that we live in. And there's people in your homes that need it. Let's pray.